This is Phil from Costa Mesa, California, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dalamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome to the show. This 116th episode of I Doubt It with Dalamore, April 19th, 2015. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore, and sitting sickly across from me is the lovely, raspy, and non-sink water drinking. You've got lots of liquid over there since you're sick. That's quite the intro. I'm keep on talking before I even say your name. Brittany Page, everybody. My voice doesn't sound that. It sounds bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. As soon as you start talking, you hear it in the headphones. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sick. You are sick. We we contemplated not doing the show. But we don't usually like to do that. Well, what I thought about doing was just kind of trying to wing it on my own. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that would be enjoyable for the audience. Mm-hmm. I, there have been times when I have been sick. In fact, both times we've canceled a show. Right, because I certainly can't do the show was, on my own. Well, it was because of me being ill. Right. Or too much of a pussy to carry on. Right. And you um, have been admonished by the audience. There have been several times, or we have received messages from people saying, well, why didn't Brittany just try to do the show herself? <laughs> and, well, I-, I think you could do it. I think you could pull it off. But I don't think it would be as interesting or entertaining a show if one of us is gone. Yeah. Because although the show is titled, I Doubt It with Dollamore, it's just not the same without Brittany Page. Oh, thanks. Well, I don't say that to kiss your ass. Okay. I think it to be true. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Right. Screw you. <laughs> so you have been ill. Mm-hmm. And it's lasted since you got back from Idaho, in fact. Yeah, well, I think it started Thursday. Well, we talked about two shows ago. When you had gotten off the plane, mm-hmm. that you said someone sneezed and I already feel sick. Yeah. So I don't know if it was just placebo on your own part, <laughs> me making yourself sick out of just psychosomatic, but you're you're now really coming down with something, which is a bummer. Yeah, it is. Which has made us just kind of sit around and watch TV, a lot of TV. In mm-hmm. fact, last night we watched a little bit of something that wouldn't ever have been watched in this house, and it was... Coachella was being, I guess, live streamed or maybe the day after. I don't know. But it was concerts, performances from Coachella, the music festival here in Southern California. And the one that I saw, the first performer that was up there singing Mm -hmm. was something, something Twigs or Twiggy or... Yeah, like P-K-E Twigs or something. Anyway, and so she's this black girl and, and one of the people who was with us said, oh, that's Robert Pattinson's new girlfriend, Mm -hmm. which reminded Brittany (laughs) of a conversation that happened last weekend. Why don't you uh, take it over? Yeah. So I somehow I was talking to my friend about um, Robert Pattinson and his new girlfriend. And I said, oh, yeah, his new girlfriend looks just like Kristen Stewart, who is his 
ex-girlfriend, <laughs> the girlfriend that he just had. And my friend looked at me and she's like, um, I don't I don't think you're thinking of the right person because she does not look like Kristen Stewart. And we got into this argument and I kept saying, yes, she does. She looks exactly like Kristen Stewart. What is wrong with you? And she just kept saying, no, she doesn't. <laughs> and we went we went back and forth like four times where I'm just saying yes. And she's saying no. And then finally she said, she's black. Which doesn't look like Kristen Stewart. Right. And I was like, Kristen Stewart's almost fucking see through. She's so white. Yeah. So I said, oh, uh, I must have been <laughs> looking at the wrong person. And so what must have happened is I saw, you know, a news article or something in my feed on Facebook and it said Robert Pattinson has a new girlfriend, but showed him with Kristen Stewart. Right. Right. And so I was like, wow, she looks a lot like Kristen Stewart. <laughs> Even though it was just a picture of Kristen Stewart. Anyway, this shows you how like in touch I am with, with celebrity culture. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know why I was arguing about it like so passionately. Yeah. It, yeah. It's kind of like the bet you just made uh, yesterday. Yeah. Goddamn. I bet someone yesterday. Well, all the cash I had in my wallet, which ended up being six dollars. High roller. But I, I bet someone six dollars yesterday that there were, in fact, only two Hobbit movies. Two Peter Jackson Hobbit movies. Okay, and I was saying, please do not do this. Yeah, you're you're you definitely were pleading with me not to make the bet because the person that you you made the bet against what had just said they saw the third movie in the theater, yeah. and so I was telling you, do you think? Like this person is mistaken that they saw all three Hobbit movies at the movie theater. Well, they're obviously a nerd who knows what they're talking about. What happened was I had read somewhere that Peter Jackson, the studio had pulled funding. They were only going to make two of the movies. They were going to not have it be a trilogy because of length or I don't know. I I, I was pos I was so positive that I had read that and that that was the case that I decided to bet money. I don't bet willy-nilly, like, oh, well, it's just a gamble. I'll see what I do. I really thought that it was, I thought that I knew it. Right. Um, that's not the case. I <laughs> lost $6. So uh, let that be a lesson to you, kids. But you, you, you just like me, you felt so passionate and you, you thought you were right. And then the more that you argued about it, the more you were just defending your position. Right. Rather than, huh, could I, could I be mistaken? Right. And until you're for sure aware that you're you're mistaken, you don't realize it. Well, you're it's like you and your defiance about the fact that Hydro Seven or whatever bullshit in your Aquafina is a real thing that makes Aquafina superior. Okay, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse you what? It is, and I can tell a very distinct taste difference from Aquafina and sink water and Arrowhead. Sink water. Yes. I think you mean tap water. It is sink water. All right, moving on. Last episode, we talked about uh, something that my my best friend, uh, Brett number one, and I did in high school where we spread a rumor that uh, John Doe, we're going to call him, had died jumping off a local bridge bungee jumping with actual bungee cords and I invited Brett to clarify anything that I had left out and he decided to do so hey guys Brett number one hey, calling in about the uh, the great social experiment of 1990 in Orofino Jeff you pretty much had everything right um, the only thing I would really add to it would be to say that we were 
we were irritated because nobody could keep their mouth shut in the town. Very gossipy town. Rumors flowed like sink water out of a tap, Brittany. <laughs> and How so dare it was you? irritating for us. So we decided we wanted to see just how fast a rumor could spread around town. Uh, the main thing that I wanted to add to this was the, the reason that we chose uh, John Doe for the experiment, and we thought about all kinds of different things that we could say. We finally decided that for the sake of the experiment, saying somebody had died uh, would be the best way to go about it. Um, the reason that we chose John Doe is because I was also pretty good friends with him, and I knew that he was out of town for like two weeks. So, and not very many other people knew that. So it was a perfect opportunity for us to use that to spread the rumor. Um, and it's unfortunate that we were killing him. I, I didn't realize that we were doing that, but uh, <laughs> evidently his mom did. So anyway, that's my two cents of the story. Love you guys. Bye. Very funny. And I think some clarification did need to be made that it wasn't like you kept saying, oh, what a hateful thing. It wasn't hateful. He ended up knowing about it. And Brett was very good friends with him. It wasn't like a... You know, we just pick some random guy to pick on. Right. It was, you know, someone who we knew. Yeah. And who eventually did know about it. All right. Less hateful. Less hateful. Less hateful. All right. On to something a little bit more somber. I wouldn't say that this is an anniversary, but more of a commemoration. Um, today commemorates the 20th year after the Murrow Federal Building in Oklahoma City, was bombed by Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols. 168 people were murdered on that day in this act of domestic terrorism. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot on the news. A lot of recapping and showing the memorial. And it really brings up a lot more about the death penalty in the United States. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, um... I don't want to say like a, a, a loud voice in opposition to the death penalty, but I, I certainly am opposed to the, to the death penalty. And I think for different reasons than a lot of people. But Pew Research just published um, an article about there being less support for the death penalty now than ever, and obviously more among Democrats than the Republicans, but they had some data. Right. A majority of Americans favor the death penalty for those convicted of murder, but support for the death penalty is as low as it has been in the past 40 years. A new Pew Research Center survey finds 56% favor the death penalty for people convicted of murder, while 38% are opposed. Much of the decline in support over the past two decades has come among Democrats. Currently, just 40% of Democrats favor the death penalty, while 56% are opposed. In 1996, Democrats favored capital punishment by a wide margin, 71% to 25%. There has been much less change in opinions among Republicans. 77% favor the death penalty, down from 87% in 1996. Wow. The share of independents who favor the death penalty has fallen 22 points over this period, from 79% to 57%. So Republicans still favor it the most, independents in the middle, Democrats the least. Right. Which is very odd to me, just given the fact that the Republican Party is so largely controlled by Christian, the Christian right. And the Bible very clearly says, vengeance is mine, say it the Lord, you know, it's not your fucking job to take care of biz, but well, mine. 
you know? Yeah, well, in addition to that, uh, the Republicans are typically the party that wants uh, the least amount of government intrusion in their lives, and that's primarily that, why yes. you're against the death penalty. That's exactly why I'm against it. And having said that, we pulled a clip of an interview that Shepard Smith of Fox News... News. <laughs> Was I supposed to do that? Yeah, it's good. Okay, I don't know what's happening. I mean, I want you to talk as little as possible, <laughs> just to save your voice, because... It's getting a little rasp town. It's also creeping me out. Yeah, is it? I feel like it sounds very different. A little Kirstie Alley-ish? Yeah. <laughs> a little Pamela Adlon-ish? Yeah. <laughs> so, several years ago, Shepard Smith sat with a group of uh, journalism students and journalists with the City University New York. And he sat for like an hour and talked about all kinds of different issues. But about 40 minutes into the video, he talks about his covering of the Timothy McVeigh execution. And he puts it in this very short clip about as succinctly as I ever could related to why I oppose the death penalty. They got us. They got us there in the middle of the night and we were there long before the sun rose and they put us on a bus and they sanitized everything and got down to the last of it. But I thought really what my responsibility was that day was to document every moment and try to tell you exactly what happened, how the needle went in, when the phone ring came, mainly because what's happening there at its core is the government is killing a citizen on behalf of the rest of the citizens. And the citizens don't get to see the government kill another citizen, but they need to know exactly how it went down so that they can then use that little bit of fact to help decide whether they're for this or against this, because after all, this government is of buying for us, at least according to the piece of paper. So I think he really puts it in a way that made me think about it differently. I know I've heard people say, you know, we should just save money and kill people as soon as they are found guilty. Right. And I, I mean, I guess once upon a time, maybe when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, I could see that. Maybe that's not a bad idea. Or the argument that just put a bullet in their head. Right. A bullet. Save costs, all the jury time and hey, dear. Right. A yeah. bullet cost however much. Right, and Yeah. Right. Um, but this really puts it in perspective that you're giving the government power to execute somebody. Right. And we we never see it. I mean, it's not broadcast on TV. Like we don't we don't know what it looks like. And I think it's very sanitized right, in that way. Right. So we're just kind of disconnected from it. Like it's happening and it we're not a part of it. We're not involved with it, so we don't care That's about right. it. Out of sight, out of mind. But the way that he put it, I wanted the citizens to know what this looks like. Well, I want to know what it looks like. Because I yeah. think that's important for us to have an informed opinion about what's going on, like he said. Well, m my take on it is really based on that the government is taking the life of this citizen on behalf of all the other citizens. That's really what it is. Mm -hmm. And listen, if you're one of those people that doesn't think the government has the right to know about your metadata relative to your phone calls then why would you think it's okay for the government to snuff someone's life out, regardless of what they did? If they murder someone, you can find them for the rest of their life. You subject them to labor. You don't give them cable TV. They don't get access to magazines. They don't get radio. They get to work for the rest of their lives and effectively cut off from the rest of society. 
They don't get steak dinners. They don't get holidays. That's how you deal with it. Well, and it's even interesting, for instance, they've been having all these issues with the lethal injection in many different states. And I recently read that Utah, if there's an issue with the injection, right. they can now use the firing squad. Well, the, 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 the firing squad was used up until, I think, the 80s. I might be wrong about this. You might want to look this up. But the firing squad was used readily in Utah. They were the last state to abandon the firing squad. And now they're going back to it. Right. And people, or if there's a problem with the drugs. Right. And when people hear about the firing squad, they think, ooh, that that feels like a little much. But why is yeah, that why? a little much compared to anything else? I mean, you're, the government is still killing somebody. It's also more instantaneous than the drugs. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I think that people react to it because, oh, ooh, you're like shooting them and it's right. weird and that feels like bad. But you're putting a lethal injection in their arm. Why doesn't that feel bad? I remember weird? I remember being very creeped out even when I took the tour of the Idaho penitentiary in which you were almost raped as a child. Yes, we, that happened. We might have to rehash that story because <laughs> that's kind of an alarming thing to say. Brittany was chased down by a maniac on his wedding day. They were there touring. A drunken groom, yeah, groom chased her and a girlfriend down and tried to... When we were like 14. Who's going to assault them. Anyway, it was a whole thing. We'll find the episode. It's a funny story. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll put the story... We'll tell you what episode on the Facebook page and you can go back and listen to it if you're interested. But I remember touring the, the old, now defunct uh, Idaho Penitentiary and they had the platform where they, were, they would execute people. And I hang. remember it. Yeah, yeah, and they hanged them. And I remember just... As a kid being, that's got fucking something wrong with that. That's not right. I remember having that reaction too, especially where they talk about how people would come to view it. And I think that's weird too. I mean, coming to view someone being executed. Yeah. It just feels very strange. Yeah. Well, I don't, listen, and I don't even look at the death penalty from this perspective. I don't look at the death penalty from, oh, well, he has a right. Oh, and he might be innocent. I don't look at it like that. I don't think Timothy McVeigh... I don't think his life was worth anything. For me, it is all about the power of the state. It is all about the power of the government. And the, I, I have a, a, a very healthy distrust of the government, as all of you know, whether it be about cops or whether it be about the NSA. I just have a general healthy distrust. And that is what it's born out of. So... I guess make up your own mind. We're going to put this on the Facebook page, and we'd love to hear from our audience about what they feel about the death penalty, both domestic and international listeners. 657-464-7609, or you can record yourself on your smartphone and email it to idoubtit at dollamore.com, or just email us, a regular old email, at idoubtit at dollamore.com. I'd be especially interested to hear from the international listeners because I have no real grasp on what goes on elsewhere in terms of the death mm -hmm. penalty and how they handle those issues. So I'd be curious to know what goes on elsewhere. I'm sure that Alexander has an opinion on this, <laughs> which I'd like to hear. And I'm sure I don't think there's and I don't know, again, pleading my ignorance, but I would be very shocked if any Scandinavian country or northern European country at all still employs the death penalty. Hmm. I think it's been eradicated, or there's a moratorium on it at the very least. So let's stick with pew. Pew, pew. Wait, that's your job. I would do it, but it's not going to sound good right let's now. Let's hear it. Pew, pew. Yeah. <laughs> that was me, everybody. 
<laughs> no, it was me. Um, so Muslims are expected to surpass Jews as the second largest U.S. religious group. Which shocks me because I thought they already were. Because only, I think it's 1.8 to 2.1% of the United States is Jewish, which is such a minuscule percentage. I really thought that they had already surpassed that, but apparently not. Two trends that are already well underway, the decline of Christians and the growth of the religiously unaffiliated people as a share of the U.S. population, are expected to continue in the decades ahead, according to Pew Research Center's projections of major religious groups around the world. But if current demographic trends hold, there will also be other significant changes in the U.S. religious landscape. Judaism will no longer be the largest non-Christian religion in the country. And by 2015, Muslims are projected to be more numerous in the U.S. than people who identify as Jewish on the basis of religion. Due in part to their continued migration into the country, Muslims are forecast to make up 2.1% of the U.S. population in 2015, up from 0.9% in 2010. Two other major factors are driving this growth. They currently have the highest fertility rate and the youngest median age of any major religious group in the U.S. Hmm. So I can just imagine how this news is very upsetting, (laughs) is very upsetting to, you know, maybe conservatives. I don't know. Sure. Well, I think it's probably not maybe. Well, obviously, it's going to be upsetting, but it's also going to be alarming that it's going to be. It makes you wonder um, what kind of, of, of nuttiness is going to be coming out of that, that wing of the, of the Republican Party um, relative to policies or whatever else. Um, it does, it, 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 it's interesting because this week, uh, while we look for articles, Brittany and I, we have a, a, a message thread that we share back and forth with one another uh, about articles. And I sent an article that was from Judicial Watch, which is a right-wing conservative activist group. And in the article, it talked about that there had been confirmation that there was an ISIL training camp just eight miles across the United States-Mexico border into Mexico. And I shared this link because it sounded very legitimate. It sounded very confirmed, very official. Even though you were skeptical of Judicial Watch. Well, that's what I said in the message. I said this, I said this, we need to check into this, vet this a little bit because it's very... It comes from a very uh, hanky source, right? Judicial Watch, right? So, after a couple of days and doing a little bit of research, the U.S. State Department did my job for me and came out and said bullshit. Yes, they are calling the report unfounded. Right. So this really goes less about the the Muslims, you know, gaining in population as a per- percentage of of the United States, and and less about what the Republicans are going to do, and more about two things. One being, check your sources. It, it goes with what we talked about last episode about the different Facebook pages not to share. This would be one of them. Western conservatism, conservative tribune, judicial watch. These are all sites that promulgate completely false information. Mm-hmm. Fucking fabricated bullshit. And don't be tricked by it. Vet vet your sources when you share. The other thing that this is going to do, or that this lends itself to, is that what they're trying to do is they're trying to merge two different very sensitive topics in the United States. Mm -hmm. I think that this kind of a headline is less about terrorism and less about ISIL 
and more about immigration and Mexicans coming across the border. Mm, interesting. Because wherever you stand on the issue of immigration, and I think that we do a bad job of it, but I think that we need to take a little, a more tough stance than we do today, which is kind of a, I'm wiggling out of any, any major stance. Whatever you think about immigration, what they're trying to do here is, oh my God, we better clamp down the border. We better do a better job of keeping them Mexicans out. Otherwise, as an unintended qu consequence of our laziness on immigration, we're going to have ISIL be able to have close proximity and do uh, a domestic or a, a terror attack within the United States. Right. So it's uh, what I think is pretty transparent and terrible. And, you know, the, the they're better than this. Right. Why, you don't need to lie to get your way. The merits of your argument should be enough to win the day. You don't need to conflate with terrorism and ISIL and that kind of fear mongering to get your point across or to get your message accepted by the American people. Right. And especially when they're playing off of fear, too. Yeah. I mean, this is a very it's cheap. It's a scary thing. Oh, my God. ISIL has a camp that's eight miles from the U.S. border. Right. That's terrifying. And so people are going to read it. They're automatically going to have that feeling and then want to share the article to alert other people. But you have to really take a minute. And this is what I did. I said, is CNN reporting on this? That's yeah, that's usually what you do. Is Fox reporting on this? Are the big news agencies reporting on this? Right. No, they're not. Okay, well they would be if ISIS was 8 miles from the US border. Right. They would be reporting on that and they're not. The other thing you do is go on YouTube and type in the headline and if you have InfoWars InfoWars nightly news. <laughs> yeah, I I had no idea that was a thing. But if you have Info Alex Jones and his ilk if you have them doing reports on it like it's fact, yeah, there's probably something wrong. Yeah. And here's just another like a, a PSA just really quick. Um, memes are not always factual. <laughs> and I, we're, It's sad that you have to say this. I know, but it's uh, election season's coming up and I'm seeing a lot of political memes that have fake quotes on them that, you know, have a Hitler quote and then a Hillary Clinton yeah, quote yeah. or, you know, say that Rand Paul is not a certified eye doctor just because he's not currently certified. He was for 10 years, it but wasn't, he didn't renew it. Yeah, it wasn't that he was practicing medicine without a license. It's that he's no longer a licensed doctor, but he's also not practicing. Right. So it's just a lot of disingenuous, misleading, manipulative stuff on these memes and people share it. Right. And then it just creates this cycle of people sharing this misinformation and people believing it. So let's just like well, vet memes. Here's, please. here's the other thing. Don't share a meme. And then when someone challenges you on it, say, oh, oh, yeah, I wasn't sure. I figured someone would do the research and find out whether this was real or not. Why don't you check before you share the fucking thing? Yeah. God, it's a little alarming. All right. Back to the terrorism thing very quickly. Apparently, a TSA how to spot a terrorist checklist has been leaked to the media. And I found it very funny, the things contained on the checklist. Okay, so here they are. Exaggerated yawning. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> like the fake almost yawn, the fake yawn. Because yawns are typically silent, right? So if you're, no, <laughs> now yawning. you're God really yawning. <laughs> 
but you did it correctly, <laughs> silently. So this exaggerated yawning is apparently, I don't know why that would be a sign of terrorism because it seems like that's someone drawing attention to themselves. Well, it could be that they're they're breathing erratically and heavy, which causes them to lose their breath and then they yawn. I, I don't know. It could be, it sounds stupid, but what's number two? Excessive complaints about the screening process. That does not sound like something a terrorist would do, to want to draw attention to themselves. And it's also something that I do about every fucking time that I fly. I know. That's what I. That's what my first thought was. <laughs> Jesse better be careful. This is not going to go well for him. I... This is a this is a true story. I almost got into a, a a fisticuffs, if you will, at the Boise Airport one time flying to Seattle. I was complaining about taking off my shoes, and I think this was right after the Richard Reed shoe bomber thing. Mm. And the guy next to me, Mister Patriot, turned to me and very snidely said, "Well, you could be in a rack right now." Wow. And I said, "Yeah, been there, Dick." Why don't you shut your mouth and wow. let me voice what I want to voice? And then he said something else. I I said something about having served in the Marine Corps, and then he yes, said, "Yes, he was a Marine, everybody." Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> and and he he said, "Well, they should have taught you some respect." <sighs> so I caught up to him oh, because you know this was many many years ago. Okay, yeah. But I caught up to him. This was probably eleven years ago. I caught up to him in the magazine shop. You know, the little sundry shop they mm-hmm. have, and told him very very politely. Very politely, I told him, next time you have an opinion, keep it the fuck to your fat ass self or I will smash you in the head. And if you have something to say about it, I will be on the flight over there to Seattle and I will be happy to take complaints. (sighs) I'm not proud of having done it. Okay. But I bet you he wouldn't mouth off to somebody again in an airport. Yeah. It's sad that people have to learn that lesson that way, but... Listen, I, I know you're ashamed... I'm ashamed too. I mean, I say it like I'm proud of the story. I'm not. It's something like that happens has not happened to me in many, many years. But I used to be a more aggressive. Yeah, we've all done things confrontational person. Right, we've all done things we regret. (laughs) Okay, so next on the list, I don't even think I was 30 years old at the time. Right. Right. I was in my 20s. Yes. You could allow me some some level of uh, indiscretion. I am. We just we both took the the anger and hostility assessment that I had to take in class. Listen, the <laughs> level of 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 disgust in this studio right now is palpable. No. It's thick. Only because of how sick I am. <laughs> you, and you're disgusted with how sick I am. All right. Okay, so the next one is excessive... Oh, we're not even done with the list. Sorry. Yeah. The next one is excessive throat clearing. Yes. So if you're doing that too much, just tone it down while you're going through TSA. Well, maybe it's like you do it all the time to try to get people's attention. No. They're trying to get... they're, They're subconsciously trying to get the attention of the TSA to come over and arrest them. I guess. Okay, widely open staring eyes... I think that's the sign of someone on on like shrooms, that, not a terrorist. That would just, I mean, all that's of, a dirty hippie. All of these <laughs> things just seem very, I don't know. You need to tone it down on your behavior if you're trying to be um, a terrorist that doesn't want to get caught. Or maybe the TSA is just out of their league relative to catching terrorists, which, by the way, I don't think they've caught a single terrorist since the inception of the TSA. Okay. 
So the next one is wearing improper attire for location. Now this one's weird because what does that mean? Now, when I was on my uh, plane from Lewiston and I was wearing yoga pants and a sweatshirt, I fit in with everybody. And then I arrived in Orange County, didn't so much fit in with everybody. So (laughs) is that what they mean or? I don't know. I mean, maybe if it's if you're flying to. To. Hawaii and you're wearing a bomber jacket till Milwaukee Wisconsin in the middle of January and you're wearing Bermuda shorts and (laughs) flip-flops although does anybody wear Bermuda shorts anymore I don't know although I wear flip-flops and shorts year-round year-round not just when I was in California when I lived in Boise my rule was unless the temperature was in the teens or it was slushy like snow and slush on the ground. Mm-hmm. I was still in jeans, t-shirt, or uh, shorts, t-shirt, and flip-flops. And this can be verif- verified by my many friends or the people who used to claim me as a friend in Boise. Next. Whistling as the individual approaches the screening process. <laughs> yeah, it depends on what they're whistling, I guess. You know? Yeah. Okay, so the next one is gazing down. I guess just not making eye contact. Mm, maybe that. Excessively not making eye contact. I, I guess. Uh, the next one is exaggerated or repetitive grooming gestures. I don't know, like getting your hair out of your eyes or... Or itchy scratchy head. I. Or maybe you're, you're picking at your balls or... I don't know. Okay. Clipping your toenails in line. Yeah. <laughs> okay, second to last, face pale from recent shaving. This, I think, it might be the only valid one on the list. And the problem with it is that the 19 uh, hijackers apparently had lived in the United States for a long time to build a a cover Hmm. and were clean shaven the entire time. So not necessarily a good uh, barometer. Right. And the final one, rubbing or wringing of hands, (laughs) which this could be someone who's nervous to fly. Or who's nervous to go through the process and they're just very anxious about being at the airport and much getting of ready these to fly. Could. Yeah, much yeah. of these could. For sure. So overall, probably a terrible list. That's fine. Not a big deal that it was leaked because I think terrorists are probably a little bit more skilled and, and have their their terrorist skills sharpened more than, than the items on this list. Yeah, now they're like, let's leave the rape whistle at home. <laughs> We don't need to do that right before we step up to the guy. Oh, yeah. So good news, everybody. The growing wave of support against Dr. Oz is is growing. Did I ever say it's a growing wave that's growing? Uh, it could be a growing wave that's growing. It continues to grow. Dr. Mehmet Oz dispenses medical advice and care like a machine at traveling clinics. As host of an Emmy Award-winning syndicated television show. I'm Dr. Oz with my brand new magazine. And on the pages of his own magazines and websites. The cardiothoracic surgeon also holds a prominent position as vice chair of Columbia University's surgery department. That sounds impressive, but... His fellow doctors are now telling the Ivy League school that they are surprised and dismayed at Oz's title, especially after segments like this. The 10-minute miracle plan to shed your fat for good. So you guys all sold? These enthusiastic spots on so-called miracle pills or diets or supplements 
have drawn harsh criticism from the medical establishment. If you present data as being, if you present statements as being data and being fact-driven, that does not represent the norm from an academic institution. That is grounds for dismissal. Dr. Joel Tepper teamed up with nine other physicians nationwide to write a letter to Columbia University. Members of the public are being misled and endangered, they wrote, which makes Dr. Oz's presence on the faculty of a prestigious medical institution unacceptable. He has touted many drugs as miracle drugs for weight loss, which causes people to spend huge amounts of money for treatments that have no benefit whatsoever for them. The new silver bullet for weight loss. There must be some concerns you have about this pill. Dr. Oz has defended his, quote, passionate language about unconventional treatments before. This hearing will now come to order. Not just to audiences, but to the United States Senate. Why would you cheapen your show by saying things like that? I actually do personally believe in the, in the items that I talk about in the show. I, I passionately study them. I recognize that oftentimes they don't have the scientific muster to present uh, as fact. In response to the 10 doctors' letter to Columbia University, Dr. Oz wrote on Facebook today, quote, we provide multiple points of view, including mine, which is offered without conflict of interest. That doesn't sit well with certain agendas which distort the facts. The university is also coming to Oz's defense, writing, quote, Columbia is committed to upholding faculty members' freedom of expression for statements they make in public discussion. Michelle in seat 92. But one of the 10 doctors calling for Oz's removal from Columbia University calls that claptrap. Critics say millions of daily viewers are potentially being misled. So he is always in trouble lately, it seems. Yeah. Well, what I don't like about the statement is when they say, we defend his freedom of expression. Listen, we've talked about Dr. Oz several times on this show, and he should be a man of science. If he's going to be on the, on a chair in a, in a position of authority and and respect with Columbia University and Ivy League school, and then says things like this, so today, I'm revealing my ultimate alternative medicine secrets. If you've got a medical problem you can't solve, you may find the answer in the next few minutes. Start by paying attention to this. It provides me a good segue into what I think may be ultimately the most important alternative medicine treatment of all. And we are embarking on this whole new vista of opportunities. It broadens dramatically the spectrum of where we might be able to go in our bodies. And this is the area of energy medicine. And joining me today, today is Pamela Miles. Pamela's actually been to the operating room with me where we have done Reiki. And you're a Reiki yes. master. My, you know, my wife Lisa's Reiki master. Reiki. Mm-hmm. The new horizon, Brittany Page, of energy medicine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That there is no empirical data, no peer-reviewed research. It is just utter and complete bullshit. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, if he was going to be talking about some sort of natural remedy that doesn't have um, as much support as other 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 treatments, that's that's okay because some natural remedies have some support, right? Just not as good as, sure. as other treatments. But these things that he is um, advocating for are these weight loss pills that work in ten minutes, and you you never need to exercise. Pills that they describe 
openly describe as miracle cures. Right. Miracles. No exercise, no diet change. Take this pill and you'll start, your fat will just burn off you immediately. And these things are, there's just no way that there is any support for that. And for a doctor to be promoting these products and saying, yeah, you know, just take this pill instead of, listen, there's no easy way around it. If you're overweight, you need to change your diet. You need to exercise. Right. You can take some sort of supplement, but you need to be changing your diet. You need to exercise. Well, it, for me, it's not even it's not even the the stupid supplements that the suckers are going to be paying for. For me, it's the Rike. It's it's the the odd alternative medicine that it'll, if you have a problem that medicine can't cure, maybe you need to go to Rike where some idiot will just wave their hands over your body and somehow, inexplicably, that cannot be measured, quantified, qualified by science at all, you're going to be healed. Yeah. Here are the three things I want you to remember from today's show. First off, try Reiki. This alternative medicine treatment can manipulate your energy and cure what ails you. Except for we have no evidence to support anything that I just said. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and it's alarming because he's a doctor and people naturally believe what doctors say. They're in authority. They're more educated. Right. They have knowledge that we don't and we want to listen to them. And he's saying things to vulnerable populations that are wrong. Well, it's also it's not just his freedom of expression. Right. He, he has, has a responsibility. That's right. He has an obligation as a man of science, as a physician, as a doctor to do no harm first and foremost. Right. And I don't think he's doing that. I don't think he's living up to his Hippocratic Oath at all. So staying with the theme of academia, I guess, <laughs> a professor live tweeted her son's abstinence-only sexual education class. Now, a lot has been said of this, and a lot of people are making fun of the, 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 the abstinence-only abstinence -only sexual education class, and I would be one of them. We're going to take a little different angle on this and talk about that weird spot where just because these nutter butter abstinence only people are taking the extreme right side of this doesn't mean that the professor who is live tweeting this has to take the extreme left. She could still take somewhere in the middle as a position and be right and, and be correct and move the conversation forward. Uh, it, it's, it's such a bummer that one side, if one side's radical right, the only way to counter it isn't with logic, isn't with reason, it's with extreme left. It mm -hmm. just doesn't make any sense. Right. So this professor, her name is Alice Dreger. Yeah, let's go with Dreger. I don't know. I'm sick. <laughs> Feel sorry for me. Um, so she's live tweeting uh, this abstinence-only class, um, and I'll just kind of read some of the tweets, not all of them. Of course, this will be up on the Facebook page and the Twitter page yeah. in the subsequent days. And you can read all of them, but I'm just going to choose a few. So she says, I can't stand this. Well, hang on. We're also only picking the ones that go with what we're talking about right now. We're going to pick her most extreme tweets to illustrate what we're talking about. Some of what she said was normal and decent and regular and, and useful. But a lot of what she said was extreme and counterproductive to moving the conversation forward. Sorry, go ahead. 
I feel like raising my hand and saying, quote, can I tell my sexual history, which involves a lot of pleasure before and during marriage, and how I've had a lot of lovers and have never gotten pregnant by accident. Yes, I had HPV, and I would get the vaccine. Um, she had it? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm under the understanding that HPV is incurable, and that you have to have the vaccine in order to prevent it. But once you have it, you have it. That is what I understand as well. Yeah. I, I could be mistaken, I guess. I, I, I'm I always open to that. But um, so what's interesting about this is, you know, this is purely anecdotal. So she's saying I had sex with lots of people and I never got pregnant. Sure. OK, well, you're doing the same thing that other people tried to do. She's doing the same thing that these abstinence only people are trying to do. Right. Which is anecdotal. I waited to have sex. Things worked out for me. You need to do the same. I had sex with lots of people. Things worked out for me. You can go ahead and do the same. Right. Sure. It does. It's it's antithetical to a a working conversation. Now someone is talking about getting a girl pregnant and them hiding it from their parents. Yep, that's what sexual shame does, dude. Pregnant girl got picked on, so her friends deserted her. That's what happens if you have sex, kids. Yep, pregnant and no friends. It's strange to me that being a professor, she didn't go into this equipped with data and studies and research and peer-reviewed statistics. So this tweet's funny. She said, this guy really thinks that this story of, quote, I fucked up for years and years is going to lead other kids to not fuck up. When she just said, I, I wish I could raise my hand and tell my story of having lots of sex and never getting pregnant. Right. Uh, you're doing the exact same thing that that guy's doing. Yeah. You're you're using your story to illustrate what will work for everyone else. That's exactly right. And it's right. not true. It's that there are people who have lots of sex and they have unwanted pregnancies. There's people like you, luckily, that had lots of sex and didn't ever get pregnant. Listen, there's I, I am certain that there's people out there who had lots of unprotected sex and didn't end up with unwanted pregnancies yes, or sexually transmitted diseases. Yes. Anecdotal evidence is not reliable for that very fucking reason. Uh, quote, you'll find a good girl if you find one that says no, that's the one that you want. He actually just said that. Now, why is that necessarily a bad thing? I don't know. To find a girl that doesn't want to sleep with you at first or right. for ever whatever amount of time. Or for whatever reasons right. that she chooses. Right. And she's horrified by the fact that they're saying you'll find a good girl if you find one that says no, that's the one you want. I don't think that's necessarily negative. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. I, I think it's either it's neither negative nor positive. It's just what it is. Yeah, I mean, it very well could be the case. Now the woman is up. Sometimes condoms fail. She says it is absolutely better to use something than nothing in terms of birth control, but it can fail. What is wrong with what she said? Uh, yeah, it's I, better to use something than nothing, but birth control does often fail. I don't know how often it does fail. But what she said is factually true. It is better to use something than nothing. But there is a chance it'll fail. And then it continues. It only takes one sperm to fertilize an egg. It only takes one time having sex to get pregnant. Yet she's not suggesting oral or anal. What? <laughs> because, again, this is true. It only takes one time having right. sex to get pregnant. Well, you you could also fuck their elbow crease. That doesn't mean that that's you. You don't have to go through the litany of, of of alternatives to vaginal sex in sexual education class. I don't think that's what it's about. It's about telling you the risks, 
telling you uh, the ways to mitigate those risks, but that doesn't mean oh, the different sexual positions and all the technique. I mean, what the fuck? What, what does she expect? Yeah, they're giving like a book on Tantra or something like they. <laughs> right. um, so then there's things that are said that, you know, like 18 percent chance a condom will fail. Like these kinds of hyperbolic things are being told to right. the kids. Well, listen, let's get this straight. I, we should have done this on the onset or maybe I did. I don't believe abstinence only should be the only thing taught in schools. I think mentioning abstinence as, as a look. The only way to absolutely guarantee that you're not going to get pregnant is abstinence. That's the only way. However, if you're going to have sex, and we don't recommend that you do as a child, here's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. That's a responsible, comprehensive sexual education program. Not one, not only one, not only the other, but both. Right. And then she ends it um, by saying safe sex is kind of a misnomer, a quote of someone saying that. Hmm. And that's, I wouldn't disagree with that statement. I mean, safe sex, it is a difficult thing because yeah. even though you wear a condom, you can still get STDs. You can still get pregnant. These things can still happen. It's safer Look, sex. You, that's exactly right. You can double up. You can wear a condom while she's on birth control and still get someone pregnant. Yes. There is no, that's why abstinence is the only guaranteed method. The only way that I'm not going to get someone pregnant as if I don't have sex with them. Right. Of course, there's been multiple studies done on what abstinence-only education does. Yeah, which is alarming. Right. So just this is one study that I found. Using the most recent national data from 2005 from all U.S. states with information on sex education laws or policy, we show that increasing emphasis on abstinence education is positively correlated with teenage pregnancy and birth rates. This trend remains significant after accounting for socioeconomic status, teen educational attainment, ethnic composition of the teen population, and availability of Medicaid waivers for family planning services in each state. So... Where there is abstinence-only education, you are more likely to find Higher teenage rates, pregnancies yeah. and birth rates. Right. Okay? And this is consistently found time and time again in studies that are done. Hello, Mississippi. <laughs> right. So abstinence-only is obviously not doing enough. Right. Well, abstinence-only, like I've said, is ridiculous. It is a stupid thing born out of... Christian puritanical nuttiness. So that is not the answer. Abstinence only isn't the answer. And also this other completely liberal, hey, let's all fuck around because I did and I'm okay. That's not going to work either. There has to be some blending of the two, which leads us to the ultimate point that we've been talking about here, which is the mantra on the show that the far extreme right doesn't have the answer here. Clearly, as in almost all things, it doesn't have the answer. And the extreme far left doesn't have the answer here. Somewhere in the middle will lead you to glory, everybody. <laughs> and here's just another example of that thing. Let's move on to my favorite topic, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck is... Uh, the subject, one of the subjects of a series of shows on PBS called Finding My Roots. Finding Your Roots. Finding Your Roots, Brittany Page. And apparently some leaked emails by WikiLeaks during the whole Sony fiasco, uh, when all those emails were stolen by purportedly the North Korean government, 
um, some emails have been leaked that are troubling that show that, well, what's not, I don't think it's troubling that Ben Affleck had ancestors who held slaves. I think what's troubling is him going way out of his way to try to suppress that information. The censorship of that information that his family owned slaves is an apparent violation of PBS rules, and it has been revealed in a July 2014 email thread between Sony Entertainment CEO Michael Linton and Finding Your Roots host Henry Louis Gates Jr. He's a Harvard professor. In it, the two discuss the unusual request of an unnamed megastar, later referred to as Batman. <laughs> Real sly. Right. Confidentially, for the first time, one of our guests has asked us to edit out something about one of his ancestors, the fact that he owns slaves. Gates writes to Linton, We've never had anyone ever try to censor or edit what we found. He's a megastar. What do we do? In his reply, the Sony CEO recommends removing the material as long as, quote, no one else knows before writing, quote, all things being equal, I would definitely take it out. Eventually, Gates from Finding Your Roots acknowledges that fulfilling the request, quote, would be a violation of PBS rules, actually, even for Batman, and would, quote, embarrass him and compromise our integrity integrity concluding once we open the door to censorship we lose control of the brand that is awesome once we open the door to censorship we lose control of the brand Th that is a genuine concern not just for losing control of the brand right but opening the door to censorship because pbs believe it or not is a journalistic institution and this is problematic and it's weird to me that ben affleck would be so fucking weird about his ancestors 100, 200 years ago, however long, many hundreds of years ago, owning slaves. Well, it's a common thing. Well, as deplorable and despicable as it was, it doesn't mean you're a bad person, idiot. That's gross. That's racist. You know, that's what he said on Bill Maher. Yeah, it is. I got nothing from you. No reaction. You just stared blankly ahead like you're a fucking terrorist going through <laughs> security at an airport. <laughs> Come on, Brittany Page. I'm sick. Work with me here. Okay, I'm sorry. So the episode aired without the information, though. So they decided to edit out the information. Well, it, it, from what I read, it, it appears as though William Gates had nothing to do with that. That it ended up being just the executives who made the decision. Well, no, a, am I wrong? In a statement released by Gates on Friday, because they had to respond because WikiLeaks posted all this information. Oh, okay, okay. Well, so, correct me. In a statement from him, he says, We are very grateful to all our guests for allowing us into their personal lives and have told hundreds of stories in this series, including many about slave ancestors, never shying away from chapters of a family's past that might be unpleasant. Ultimately, I maintain editorial control on all of my projects and with my producers decide what will make for the most compelling program. In a parallel statement, PBS praised Gates's editorial integrity and repeated his claim that he, quote, and his producers made an independent editorial judgment to choose the most compelling narrative. So what so he's, he's just, yeah, he's trying to say mm -hmm. it just wasn't as interesting as everything else. Yes, which, are you kidding me? Yeah, really, Ben Affleck had family that owned slaves. That is compelling programming. Yeah, that's, that is that's interesting. fascinating. Yeah, yeah I want to know more about it. And also, it gives Ben Affleck a chance to say, to, to, to put out there a narrative of redemption and change 
and betterment over the course of time. That, yeah, my family probably used to be very terrible. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I'm not terrible anymore. We have bettered ourselves. And I am working toward the equality of everyone, hopefully making up for the mistakes of my past and my family. Why didn't he take the opportunity? Instead, I just got wants, goosebumps. Instead, <laughs> I'm like moved right now. Instead, he wants to hide under his fucking desk, bury his head in the sand that apparently is under his desk, <laughs> and then hide from this, which is, it's cowardly. At the very least, he's a fucking coward. Well, it's what I just said. I mean, it's so common. It doesn't mean it's good, but it's not like he's the only one. I mean, I've seen plenty of stories with celebrities where this was the case. Their family owned slaves. And right. that's just it's it's just what what was the case back then? You know what I mean? And and it's so unfortunate and like you're saying it is a chance to talk about it, to continue to have the conversation rather than, "Oh, let's continue to ignore that that happened." No, let's continue to talk about it because it's right. important. Absolutely. Very important. Here's another important thing, Brittany Page. One of uh, your namesakes this week is in trouble. Oh, please. Don't say that. Brittany McHenry. Her name's Britt McHenry. I think her name's Brittany, but she goes by Britt. She goes by Britt. Let's put some distance between me and her. Listen, I've seen you freak out on parking attendants as well. Oh, please. I've heard you call people fatties with bad teeth who don't have college educations. You do it on a daily basis. I have never done that in Br my life. Listen, Britt Page. Britt Page, I know that you're going to try to hide under, your, under Ben Affleck's desk <laughs> and bury your head in the same sand as he. But there's no hiding from this. I feel like I'm like having a hallucination from my sickness or something. <laughs> this isn't really happening, right? It's not. You're not being this hateful, right? <laughs> That's possible. So this week, an ESPN sideline reporter who, who covers baseball and college football. All this might be in the news package, so let's just go there. <laughs> uh, that television reporter making headlines this morning, ESPN's Britt McHenry, has been suspended after this video surfaced of her berating a towing company worker. McHenry has apologized, and ABC's Ryan Smith right here with the details. It's hey, a very difficult situation for her, George. Britt McHenry is well known to sports fans of ESPN, covering big games and interviewing some of sports' top stars. But now it's her actions off the field that are becoming the story. 28-year-old Britt McHenry covers baseball and college football as a reporter for ESPN. Right over here, because you told me I need one of these, right? So no red at Penn State. Yeah, as much but as this morning... It's this heated exchange captured on surveillance camera that has people buzzing. McHenry recorded in a verbal tussle with a clerk while attempting to retrieve her car at a towing company in Arlington, Virginia. Oh, like yours? Well, they look so stunning because I'm on television and you're in a trailer, honey. Lose some weight, baby girl. Before being uploaded to the internet, this video was heavily edited, removing some of the employee's answers. We have asked the company, Advanced Towing, to show or send us the unedited version of the tape, but the company has not responded to our request. Do you feel good about your job? So I could be a college dropout and do the same thing? ESPN telling ABC News overnight it has suspended McHenry for one week, effective immediately. McHenry apologizing overnight, saying, in an intense and stressful moment, I allowed my emotions to get the best of me and said some insulting and regrettable things. As frustrated as I was, I should always choose to be respectful and take the high road. 
I am so sorry for my actions and will learn from this mistake. Advanced Towing told TMZ about their employee. This is a quote. She handled this the right way. She kept her cool the whole time. But other reports are that the company has an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. So there's a lot of talk about whether or not we need to see the whole tape, see the back and forth and what happened. But still, what she said, it's hard to take yeah, that right. back. Yeah. No question. Certainly. But they're not giving it up. They're not giving up the tape. Not yet. Mm-mm. Okay. All right, Ryan. Thanks sure. so much. So there's many things to take into account here. One, I do think she's a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. I think that she is a full of herself asshole. Mm-hmm. But should she lose her job forever because of the fact that she's an asshole? There's lots of assholes who have jobs all across the world. Mm-hmm. Brittany Page. That's true. You have a job. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say it to me. You should, why didn't you say that? Because <laughs> I'm nice. And you're sick. Yeah. It's Otherwise, like, you would have said it. My brain is not working properly so here's the thing listen this company has a, a an f rating with the better business bureau not good yeah terrible that means failure and, and it's not like she chose to do business with them they towed her car against her will clearly yes so it's not like she walked into a restaurant and chose to do business with them and this business has an f rating mm-hmm. the other thing that's kind of it's when she writes her statement oh in an it's it was an intense and stressful moment in my life. Your fucking car got towed. How stressful and intense was the moment? Well, that's the thing. I mean, for someone like, let's say, that is living paycheck to paycheck and their car gets towed. That's stressful. Then that's a terrible situation for right. that person. But as she noted in the video, she has a college degree and she has she's a on TV. Degree. She has a master's degree. She's on TV. She's a news reporter. She's all these great things. I think she'll be okay. She goes... I'm in the news, sweetheart, and I'm going to fucking sue this place. She also apparently has good <laughs> teeth, so that's uh, something that no, she doesn't need to be listen, concerned about. She's beautiful, and she'd probably find another job elsewhere. I mean, her hair is a little on the bleachy side. Yeah. But, you know, she's she's on TV. I better be quiet or she'll fucking sue this podcast. Yeah, so here's the thing. I mean, what they're saying about how the, the video is edited, so we don't know what the other person is saying. Um there is there that's credibility there's credibility there yeah and i get that at the same time i mean regardless of what someone is saying i just i don't i don't know how her comments are in response to what someone is saying that's hateful the the master's degree the well, she's insecure and and she also she looks up at the camera at one point oh uh, well she's told yeah she knows a, watch what you say you're on camera right and then she continues so she doesn't Listen, care. Here's the thing, and it's it's the stance I take in many, many areas. To have an opinion about this, it doesn't have to be that Brooke McHenry is a wonderful person who should not have been suspended. Right, or she's terrible. Or what a dirty bitch. She should be fired for the rest of her life. It could be somewhere in the middle. It can be she's a dirty bitch who is a terrible narcissist and an angry, mean person who shouldn't lose her job. She can be a bad person who still shouldn't be fired. That's a viable option. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, many, many people all across the world are assholes who have jobs, who treat people poorly all the time. Right, and she's already done enough damage to herself you know, oh, she, I don't like her. I'm, listen, she's terrible. I mean, she she if she doesn't lose her job, she is still going to be a pariah. I mean, people are going to remember this and people are horrified by this. Which is the reason I believe that if ESPN ultimately wants to fire her for good, they have 
the right to do so because she's tarnishing their brand. Mm -hmm. She is, she is an ex by extension, a representative of, of their ESPN global sports leader. And when she does something shitty, she, she besmirches their brand that they've spent millions and millions and millions of dollars to build. Right. And you, what she said, she's a 28 year old woman. You know, if you have a bad day, you can't start talking about how people are toothless hillbillies that have no education and you're so awesome. I mean, that's not the way that grown women handle stressful situations. And I understand it's difficult. It was a frustrating situation, but... Look, uh, I don't think anybody's justifying what she hearing did. Hearing those statements are very... Uh, like, if I had oh, been yeah. witnessing that ha happen in public... I would have a hard time being like, what is happening here? Well, the other, th we don't know the back and forth. We don't know what the other person said. And, and like I said, I'm not justifying what she did. I don't think you but are. But we only have one side of the conversation. I don't think you, know you are I mean? justifying it. Yeah. Well, you don't get mad. I'm not getting mad. I just, you're acting like I think that you're justifying it. I'm not, I don't think that. Oh, maybe I'm just defensive. You are being quite defensive. Well, I'm not justifying it. Maybe she should burn in hell forever. <laughs> All right, everybody, I just changed my mind. Britt McHenry should be burned at the stake in front of an audience. <laughs> no, no, no. We're talking past each other then. I'm just saying that some of the things were hateful and that it could have been handled in a different way. That's no, all I'm ab saying. Absolutely. I and I think her saying it was a stressful moment, I don't really... I've already made fun of that, that it's an intense and stressful moment. Yeah, I think she just needs like she's to in a combat situation. I think she just needs to admit I was being a hothead. Like that's there's yeah, no other well, excuse. I, I I blew up. Well, the other thing her apology lacked was she could have said, "Look, I was wrong." Well, I guess that would wouldn't have come across well either if she said, "Yeah, I was being a dick, but I was being egged on, and you know, I lost my cool and I wasn't being mature." Yeah. I don't know. I don't okay. know. And I guess we should, I should give her more of a benefit of, of the doubt because we don't know what that person was saying. Maybe they were making fun of her bleached hair and her perfect teeth and her education <laughs> and she just felt the need to talk about it. <laughs> all right. I get you. All right. All right. It was also a fucking tow employee, which I'm not besmirching them, but they probably deal with people shitting on them all the time and it puts them on de the defensive right away well no one's walking in they're like oh hey just here to pick up my car like no oh, big deal you have an f rating with the better business bureau right on hey here's my money yeah you guys towed my car i'm happy to be here let's pay the bill and let's go <laughs> just here to pick up my car hey, you guys just got a business to run i understand yeah <laughs> people are coming in there pissed off like yeah. where's my car i came out to my parking spot my car's gone this for is sure. a terrible situation for sure Taking care of biz. So oddly enough, we have a cop in our taking care of biz segment. And not an American one. And maybe that's why he did such a taking care of biz. Because he's not an American who wants to fucking kill everybody that he comes in contact with. Right. So this happened in Australia. Brittany rolls her eyes as I say that, everybody. I, I actually <laughs> didn't hear what you said. And I just realized that I didn't hear what you said and said right anyway. Right. So just I didn't really say right. I didn't hear what he said. I didn't agree with it. OK, uh, moving on. So police in the New South Wales country town of Albury had a laugh on April 12th when an iPhone was handed in at the local station after its owner lost it on a night out. 
An officer taught the phone's owner, Bella Crook, a lesson in phone security by posting a selfie of himself on her Facebook. (laughs) Yes. So he opened up her phone, took a picture of himself, then opened up her Facebook app, posted it on her wall and wrote a caption that said, you should probably put a password on your phone. When you are ready to pick it up, it will be at Albury Police Station. Well, if she had had a password on her phone it probably wouldn't have been found or it w- wouldn't have been able to be uh, returned to her. I don't have a password That's on a my phone. Point. I don't either. Yeah. So, I mean, if someone finds it, they're going to steal it, but they're going to steal it whether it has a password or not. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah. The authorities followed up with a couple of puns for good measure. Quote, if you're worried about the battery going flat, don't. By the time you pick it up, it will be fully charged. <laughs> It is a great cell phone. They included a photo of the phone locked up in a cell. <laughs> so really, this is a town where they don't got anything fucking going on. Right. They have all the time in the world to lock the phone up and take photos of it. There's not a lot of rapes and murders to be solved yeah. in this little town. Yeah. <laughs> they have enough time to sit around and be like, what kind of jokes can we make with this phone? Right. Like, let's let's figure this out. Let's invest some time into figuring this out. They called Top Comic... Australian top Australian comic Jim Jeffries in to make some write some funny jokes right to um, top it all off the officers also sent out texts to her friends hinting at the whereabouts of her missing phone <laughs> so then they started texting people in her phone so yeah. seriously this is awesome it's yeah. a great story yeah. and they were taking care of biz multiple biz they were taking care of yes lots of biz as it were yes so speaking of taking care of biz, we're going to take care of biz right now by ending the episode. So Britt Page, mm. close relative of Britt McHenry, can, okay. can get some rest because she is not feeling well. The stickers that we had made are officially in the custody of the United States Postal Service en route to our Patreon patrons. Yes. So when you get those, let us know that you got them. So we can rest assured that the USPS did its job. Yes, I'm very excited for people to receive them. Yeah, stick them on your laptop or stick them on your clothes, like a name tag, so you can advertise the show everywhere you go. (laughs) And you should take a picture of them after you put them where you put them and show us where you decided to put them. Yeah, that would be awesome. And share it with us on Twitter or Facebook or both or... Take out a billboard ad and let everybody know in your town. Lots of options, Brit Page. Yes. Lots of options. Yes. We should do some kind of promotion where if you refer so many friends to like the Facebook page or follow us on Twitter. Yeah, that's a good idea. You get a sticker. I tell you what, here's what we should do. That is a great idea. We should do that. But I'd like to open uh, open up the, the, the... I would like to open this up to the audience for suggestions on how to promote because I would love to to surpass the 500 mark on the Facebook page, which is a seemingly ridiculously easy thing to do with the number of listeners that we have. But apparently people just fucking hate Facebook. (laughs) Also, Twitter, I would love more Twitter followers. So if we have a listener who is a genius in this way relative to marketing, I got all kinds of stickers to lay on people as an incentive. You know, stickers are very valuable. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Real nice. I'd like to know. uh, 657-464-7609. 
Email us, idoubtit at dollamore.com. Go like the Facebook page. Let us know. Go rate and review us on iTunes. What is stopping you? If you are listening to this show right now and you have not rated or reviewed us on iTunes, something's wrong. Or rate, rate and review us on Stitcher or whatever method that you listen to the show. With that, we will leave you. We appreciate you spending as much time as you do with us every week, whether it be once a week or whether it be both episodes in their entirety. We love and appreciate you very much. Thanks for helping us move the conversation forward episode by episode. For Britt Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Yeah, now they're like, let's leave the rape whistle at home. (laughs) We don't need to do that right before we step up to the guy. (laughs) 